Today's scripture is Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, through chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Marielle. Good morning. All right. It is good to be here together and to to see you. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tucson, and I'm glad we can be together on this day. I want to let you know, kind of out of the gates, a couple things. Um, One is, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you know again, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And also, I stutter, and so it's just kind of, it'll come in and out as I go, and I want to give you all a a heads up on that. Now we're going to get into Colossians together. So uh, will you go ahead and join me? Turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're in week 3 of a series. We love to go through books of the Bible, kind of verse by verse, passage by passage. And right now we are in Colossians. And so turn there with me if you have an app or, um, you know, or I don't know, analog, right? Old school. Uh, If you don't have one and you um, would like one, which I would encourage, will you hold your hand up high and keep it up and someone will get you a copy of God's word. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es, eso es un regalo a usted. Uh, y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Colase, Colasia. Uh, didn't think that one through. Don't know how to say Colossians. Someone in here does. Could help me out. But anyway, um, this is our gift to you, okay? If you don't have a, a copy of God's Word, please keep it. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and pray together as we get into uh, our time in God's Word. Lord, we, we thank you for your Word. Again, thank you for this morning that we are in this moment right now. I, even talking to different people this morning, some said, you know, with how are you doing, thankfully felt free enough and honest enough to say, I've been better or doing, you know, so-so or um, doing great or, you know, somewhere in between, wherever we are, we pray that in this moment, in this next half an hour or so, Lord, we are in your hands. We're like clay 
before you, whether we know it or not. I pray that those of us in here who might be hardened, perhaps even as a protective mechanism to kind of um, help defend against pain and sadness and disappointment, Lord, will you lovingly and, and, and gently and yet firmly, um, Lord, soften us. If need be, Lord, break us in, in order to, to, to reform us in, 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 in your good purposes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, what kind of church do we want to be? Who do we want to be? In September, we'll be celebrating eight years as a church, church plant, and I think it's important and appropriate, especially coming out of this COVID season, right? We're back in Tafford School. We're back in, is the AC on or not? I still can't tell. I'm kind of, right? It, and, and yet we're in a season where we can be asking, you know, who are we and who do we want to be? Who does God want us to be? If left to ourselves, sometimes the temptation is for us to focus on programs and, you know, whether it's smoke and mirrors or even well-intended plans and purposes and, and, you know, agendas and mission and vision and strategy. We focus on those things. And, and then what happens is when tempted or pressured, we either crumble or we are led astray. We start to kind of forget who we are. We forget our way and we stray and we wander. We believe things are as the word that was used there that we'll get into in a bit is, is, is that our, our, our beliefs are deluded. I'd never really used that word or heard that word, but we start to believe false things and we wander or again, we focus on the wrong things. We, 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 we build our identity identity and our, our plans on ourselves. And then when challenged, we crumble, we kind of fall apart. And so the question again, we get into here, into here together as individuals and as a whole, who do we want to be as a church? So how we're going to break this, this passage down together as we walk through it is we're going to see that, that we, and you might not want this, but this is what we're inviting you into as Redemption Tucson. We want to be a church that is a suffering church, a mysterious church, a loving church, and a steadfast church. So I'm sure some of that causes like your brow to furrow. So let's press in together and right out of the gates there. What does it mean for us to be a suffering church? Picking up in verse 24, Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I rejoice in my suffering. So uh, Paul is, the author here, is, 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 is writing a l- l- letter to a group of people, Christians, followers of Jesus, whom he's never met. Okay, This isn't a church that he planted, but people that he poured into and led and kind of helped learn how to follow Jesus. They then planted this church, and now he's writing them kind of like a grandfather would. He's never met them or doesn't know them well, but he cares deeply about them, and he's writing it from prison. So he's suffering, right? All of his freedoms have been stripped away, but 
acknowledge what he says, I rejoice in my sufferings. That's not natural for us. It wasn't natural for him either, but I think especially in our day, hear me now, we, uh, we don't like discomfort. Or maybe put another way, just think about your last week. What made you excited? What did you look forward to? What were you frustrated by? For, for me, most often it's when my comfort is challenged. Right? So again, uh, we broke the AC this morning as an object lesson. You're welcome. No, that's not true. We didn't, but we did get here and I was frustrated. I'm like, my own comfort is challenged here. Like, just so you know, I think it's getting worked on as we speak. I don't know. It's like, we're kind of in between. We don't know what's happening. It is. Thumbs up. Thank you. Caitlin is fixing it. Thank you, Caitlin, <laughs> fixing the AC. No, uh, we called TUSD and they're, they're helping work on it. But even that, right, I'm thinking like, this is, this is like uncomfortable and that's not to it's okay to like ac all right it's okay to want that and stuff but often our lives are 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 kind of evaluated by how comfortable we are or not whether it's 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 external things whether it's it's our our feelings whatever it is um suffering we do everything we can to avoid suffering but there are some good aspects to suffering what does it look like for us to be a, a suffering church? What could come good out of suffering? A couple things in scripture. I just want to point us to, you can, if you're taking notes, you can jot these down. I'm not going to turn there. But one is that suffering helps us mature. In James chapter 1, and the author there writes that suffering brings about perseverance. All right, long suffering. We learn to endure through suffering, through challenging. And he says that suffering not only leads to perseverance, but then perseverance leads to maturity. All right, what, what, how many of us in here, you don't need to answer this per se, but when we think about ourselves as older, want to be kind of crotchety and crusty and <laughs> jaded and bitter, or as we have many great examples in this church steadfast examples of 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 love and care and hope and kindness even in the midst of suffering in our redemption community just this last week we were talking about a dear sister who's not who's who's out of state right now and we we're talking about her and we just kept going it went on for a while and we probably could have continued to go on about what an example in the faith she is for all of us and she's old enough to be many of our mother or grandmother. And, um, and she is just tender, humble, kind, and she has suffered greatly. She has lost significantly. And yet in that, God has produced a maturity, a perseverance that doesn't just come overnight. So, Suffering can produce or help us mature. Another thing, it can bring us together. In Galatians chapter 6, we're told that he, he says, bear each other's burdens. There's an opportunity when we're suffering, it can draw us together. Okay, church, I'm going to um, just right now, sometimes Pastor Marcus um, warns us, right? He says, I'm, I'm on your block. I'm on your couch. Well, I'm just going to go straight to like brushing my teeth with your toothbrush right now. Okay. We're, um, 
one of the, the things that gre- we as a church, myself individually, personally, did not handle the last couple years perfectly by any means. Right, well, whatever it might be, there were certain things that, 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 that we didn't handle perfectly. We were trying our best. We were doing it. Hopefully, we were quick to circle back and repent and confess where we got it wrong. But one of the things that, that I think surfaces the most as I think about it is our, 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 our inability and in many cases our unwillingness to grieve with and for and alongside one another, to bear each other's burdens Okay, again, just straight up. When brothers and sisters of color shared fear, sadness, pain, uh, questioning whether or not they are seen or loved or valued, whether or not they matter, many of us just went straight to, yeah, but, oh, this, right, and, and just gave answers and gave and pushed back and things like that and, and didn't ask questions first of what does it look like to carry that burden? I don't understand. Honestly, maybe right out of the gates, I, I feel challenged by it, but help me understand. Most of us, that wasn't our response. And candidly, myself, on the flip side then, when many, even in our church, came and said, I, I don't like how you handled that. I don't like the way you led us through that. I don't like the way you said this, that, or the other. In many cases, I didn't pause and pastor and say, tell me more about that. It seems like you feel anxious, like you feel maybe even sad or hurt or defensive uh, about that. Tell me more. Tell me where you're coming from. I often went kind of straight to dukes up. Oh, well, how dare you think that or say that or this and that. And we didn't, like Paul says, as a, he uses the language as, as a, of a, a family that, 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 that weeps with those who are weeping and rejoices with those who are rejoicing and then loves enough to move toward and ask questions when we don't understand. Suffering can lead us to move toward each other, to bond together. I pray that God will produce that within us. Another couple things that suffering can produce is it, it prepares us for glory. Okay, I'm just going to turn there real quick. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, let me get there here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in uh, verses 17 through 18, says, says this. For, nope, I'm in the wrong one. Is it 1 Corinthians? I'm, uh, did it, I didn't even plan on this. This just goes to show you there's nothing to prove and nobody to impress. But now I am going to read it because uh, it's important enough. Who grew up in the church here and remembers this? Because it is not me. Uh, I, I sometimes get anxiety as I'm flipping through scripture. Am I going to know this? Is my pastor card going to be taken away? It might be. We'll find out in three months when I come back, right? If um, this eternal weight of glory, where are we at? Navigators. Four, thank you. Second Corinthians four. I was testing you. Kira, you pass. Just kidding. Takes a village. Thank you. Takes a good way. Thank you. Verse 17. Thank you. Second Corinthians four, verse 17 says this. For this light momentary affliction, 
is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's not discounting suffering. Okay, I want to acknowledge that. When we struggle, when we experience loss, when we experience sadness, frustration, doubt, questions, it's not to diminish that, but it's always to put it in contrast, in perspective, to put it up against, right? This comes to mind. If you, sometimes I like to think, oh man, I'm, I'm a pretty good athlete. I'm doing pretty well. I'm, you know, and then I went to Nigeria in uh, a couple years ago and I went with my friend who played football at ASU and, and, and he's around my same age and, and he ran circles around me and when we would exercise and I just thought I am so out of shape. I'm not even right. There's a comparison. Sometimes put things in perspective. Well, positively, this light momentary affliction, what we're currently walking through is difficult is painful, but in contrast to glory, to what's to come. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So our suffering helps us lift our eyes and look at the horizon and say, what I'm going through right now, it's not to diminish that. In fact, don't diminish it, but look at it in comparison to what is to come. Right now I'm struggling, but what is to come is an eternal weight of glory that far beyond I can hope or ask or imagine. But God says, you don't have to ask. You can dare to imagine because I promise you that's what's coming. And then finally, I want to acknowledge that Paul says something here kind of confusing. He also says that suffering is related to something that is lacking that Christ did, right? Was that confusing for anyone else? We can say that in church. We can be honest, right? I just, hope, I just got kind of exposed before all you. I lost where I was in the scripture and we can acknowledge it's okay to say, what does that mean? How, did Jesus do something lacking? Was his, was his death on the cross insufficient in some way? Well, the answer is, is no. Okay, when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, the debt has been paid in full, he meant it. Okay, he, he completed what he set out to do, but he still says that something is lacking. Okay, this is where I want to encourage you that we, we gave, there's a PDF or f physical copies of, a, of a, little, a little study guide through the book of Colossians. If you, if you have that, um, I'd encourage you to go back and look through the, the kind of explanation of this passage. It's good. But I'm going to, for those of you who just want the spark notes, right, the cliff notes version, I'll just jump ahead and let you know. But I encourage you to read through the different ways that, 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 that different scholars have handled this idea of, of Christ's death leaving something lacking or of, of, of our suffering fulfilling something that is lacking. In short, what's being said is that um, Jesus's kingdom, his resurrection comes through suffering and through death. His mission goes forward. In Philippians chapter two, we're told that his power comes not by grasping, but by laying down power. And so that we now, who get to continue the mission of Jesus, we get to continue his mission coming, not through sword and power and strength and grasping, but through laying down our rights, through experiencing suffering. And that is counterintuitive to all of us, 
That's not the way we want to go about things, right? We want to demand our rights. We want to, you know, take up our, uh, you know, bring up our, our, our fists and say, no, you will respect me. But we're told that the kingdom comes through suffering and also that Jesus indwelling us, now as we experience suffering, Jesus is continuing to uh, bring about his, his plan through his people suffering. So there's an intimacy with Christ that we get to experience when we endure suffering. It's counterintuitive. It's not easy. It fights against us. But church, what if we would embrace being a suffering church and that trusting even that though we don't understand it, Jesus has good things in store through our suffering. And then that we would be a mysterious church. Pick up with me now in verse 25. He says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints that for, for thousands of years before Jesus, that God would fulfill his promises was not a mystery, but how God would bring about his goodness, fulfill his promises was a mystery. That, 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 that God himself would take on flesh and come and live among his people in brokenness, born in a manger, humbly living, persecuted, mocked, ultimately dead, and then risen from the dead, that was a mystery. But now for us, thousands of years after, okay, before and after, the cross and the empty tomb cast a shadow on everything else. Or said otherwise, Jesus' death and resurrection illuminates everything that came before it and everything that comes after it. And that is a mystery fulfilled in Jesus. But then it continues. Paul goes on and he describes this mystery that we're to press into and live into as a church. In verse 27, he says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then skipping down in chapter 2, verse 2, says, To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So before Jesus, God's presence was in a temple or before that in a tabernacle. But after Jesus died and then rose from the dead and then ascended to God at the right hand of God the Father, and then on the day of P Pentecost, sent the Holy Spirit to now fill all who put their trust in him. Right now in this moment, God's presence is not in a geographical location, but in the hearts of his people. Right now in this moment, everyone in this room who, who has put their faith in Jesus... God's presence is in the earth through you, through your heart. In this moment, in, 
India and Arkansas and Ghana, Nigeria, Liberia, El Cajon, San Diego, Oregon, Brazil. All right, I could try to go on, but hopefully you get the picture. In this moment, God's presence is not, is not bound to a geography or, a, or an ideology or a political affiliation or a nation or a kingdom, but in the hearts of his people. And not just his presence, but his knowledge and his wisdom. Okay, re remember that in a moment when we press into the temptation that will come to believe other things, to think knowledge and wisdom is found somewhere else. He says, no, the mystery is that by his Holy Spirit, through his word, God's presence and his wisdom and his knowledge is in the hearts of his people. And he says, it's so that his people will be knit together in love. A suffering church, a mysterious church, and a loving church. Pick up with me now again in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen, my, have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. We're told in 1 John, God is love. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 to the Father, for you and for me, God, let them love each other. Let them be set apart by their love. love. Let the world know that they belong to me by their love. Again, I talked about the last couple of years, right, that we've all kind of stumbled and struggled through, and some of you even might be uncomfortable right now, like, why do you bring that up? Let's forget that, you know. Well, hopefully, what we are learning and growing in more and more and more is that if we want to be Jesus's church, Jesus's body. The, the language is used. He's the head. We are the body. Jesus's family. Jesus's bride. Then we must love. God is love and he calls us to love. What does it, when in doubt, what do we do in them when we don't understand? When someone says something that offends us, that seems wrong, that seems uh, uh, like it's like it's it's terrible, like it's heresy, like we don't know how do I engage that. I've got to call that out. I've got to speak truth. I've got to speak into that. I've got to press in. Always, it must come through the filter of love. What does love look like? Love absorbs hostility. Love, 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 love takes on humility. Lays down rights seeks to understand, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Do we want to be a loving church? And then lastly, we long to be a steadfast church. Pick up with me in Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Paul says, I say this 
in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. That word delude, like I mentioned earlier, I had to look look it up. I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't really use that word very often. Um, Delude means imposing a misleading belief. Church, hear me now. That's everywhere. I, I, again, I want to want to use your toothbrush or, right, eat out of your cereal bowl. (laughs) Um, Hopefully that image sticks with some of you. I grew up in a family of all boys, and as the youngest of four boys, that was definitely a power move thrust upon me a couple times. (laughs) Apple jacks are gone. Oh, I'll take baby David's. (laughs) Eat out of his cereal bowl. Right? Sorry, I lost my point. That was... uh, (laughs) misleading belief. If your faith, if your knowledge, if your understanding, if your wisdom of God is taken from primarily now podcasts, social media, individuals, myself, your pastor, your books, certain authors that you read, if if you're constantly filtering what is acceptable and what is unacceptable through the lens of kind of different people and ideas and ideologies and that kind of come and rise up and are popular. And that's your first place you go. You're in danger of having your faith, your trust, the foundation of your life diluted of being misled. Paul, the same author says elsewhere, he says, if I, or even an angel from heaven preach to you any other gospel, then salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, by his grace, his undeserved favor. If anything else comes at you, be cautious. Church, we in this day right now are so tempted of being led to the left or to the right. We, I, we have had conversations from, you know, political conversations, deconstruction conversations, uh, you know, calling out and setting up fortresses, conversations, all these different things. And whatever it is, if our hope and our foundation and our trust and our church's identity is not built upon the person and work of Jesus alone. We're in danger. And now there might be a weight here, but again, I want to remind us of the tone that Paul is preaching here. Picture a coach, not a bad coach, a good coach, hands on the shoulder, telling you, stay strong, run the race, you're tempted right now. You're tired right now. You're, you're being distracted right now. Remember your training. Remember what you've set out. Remember what you saw it clearly when you were looking in a mirror. Right now you've walked away and you're tempted to believe all these different things. Life is piling in on you. You're, you're struggling. Remember. Remember the good news. That in your worst moment, God loved you. And he demonstrates it. Because Jesus died for you. Remember your worth. Remember your value. Remember your hope. Remember your identity. Jesus, life, death, buried, undeserved, love, steadfast, promise, assurance, alone. And then he continues. 
He says, for though I'm absent in body, right? Though I'm not with you, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Both those words, those terms, good order and firmness are military words. He's saying, remember your diligence. You're tempted to believe, oh, you don't need to have a quiet time. That's legalistic. You don't need to read the Bible and pray or journal. Just go out and, you know, go to a hookah bar and look at the smoke and just kind of have a spiritual moment. You know, go out and play some disc golf. Sit, hang out with your buddies. Watch, you know, watch something, sleep in, listen to this podcast. It's all truth is God's truth. There's some good nuggets snuck in there and this and that. And we say, no, yes, there's a time to push back against legalism and rigidity. But, but church, I was thinking about this as I'm preparing to go on sabbatical, knowing that you don't need me, right? That's, you're going to be fine. Probably even boom, better, right? We're going to be, we're going to be great. But I was thinking about this, the church that that we love, that we have suffered together, we have have lived out the gospel together. When it comes back to to it, what we're called to do is to remember the gospel. Remain steadfast. Remember your your training. Remember, Remember what God did when you were just humming along and things were sweet. When you're struggling, Open your Bible. Go to community group. Share your struggles. Share your doubts. Share your fears. And then ultimately, lastly, in verse 29, he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Whose energy? That's an actual question this time. (laughs) Struggling with all his energy. Whose energy? God's energy, that he powerfully works within me. Who does the working powerfully? God does. So this isn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? If you wanted me to push back on the legalism there, it's not, you know, do it, go through. No, it's hit your knees. God, I need you so desperately. As as he says, as we see Jesus interacting with someone, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I need you. My faith, even my faith is not something I can, with, I can build up and strengthen and hold on my own. I need you. Lord, sustain my faith. Strengthen my faith. Awaken my heart. Remind me of the good news. So church, what kind of church do we want to be? By God's grace, through his Holy Spirit, his energy, his power, Let us be a church that suffers well, that lives out, that proclaims with our words and demonstrates with our lives the mysterious good news of Jesus. Let us be a church that ultimately and consistently loves. And then let us be a church that remains steadfast, that walks the narrow and difficult road of Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? I'm excited to be a part of that kind of church, this kind of church. So let's pray and respond together. Lord Jesus, we respond now as your church, as your people. 
Again, I pray for every individual in here. I pray for us collectively as a whole. Lord, um, we, the elders, myself as a pastor, we are a fickle people. We are imperfect, but thankfully we serve a perfect king who is actively involved right now. Lord Jesus, you are not on the cross. You are not sitting back, biting your fingernails. You are right now authoritatively sitting on the throne, declaring, promising, I am making all things new. So Lord, we look to you. Will you lead us and guide us? Lord, will you form us and shape us as your church, your people, built upon, resting upon the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.